Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, everybody. It's been a little while. Uh, we here at Jacob Marley is Dead have been on a unexpected hiatus due to the fact that the school year just started and uh, it turns out going back to school after being virtual for a full year is a lot more difficult and time consuming than we originally thought. So um, we're happy to be back and hopefully be getting back to a regular posting schedule. We're not totally sure what that's going to look like yet. Um, but we'll at least be getting this episode up this week and then uh, hopefully bringing you some of the episodes we've recorded before the school year started. Um, we are going to be continuing with the Guy Pierce uh, Christmas Carol adaptation from 2019. And uh, just to remind you, if you listen to the first two episodes, that this is going to um, deal pretty heavily with the subject of sexual assault. So um, if that's a triggering area or an era area of trauma for you, um, we're just going to request that, um, you know, use your best judgment. If you have to skip this one, we totally understand. Um, thanks. Enjoy. Jacob Marley is dead. Jacob Marley is dead. This must be distinctly understood, or nothing wonderful can come of the podcast you are about to listen to. I saw three ships come sailing on Christmas Day, on Christmas Day, I saw three ships come sailing in on Christmas Day in the morning. So, John, you remember that storm we got like Thursday, that tornado that came through here? Yeah, yeah, the one that, that bypassed me by a couple miles and then just went straight to Trenton. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that tornado. So we didn't get hit in Princeton, but I was there during the warning. And um, the next day I'm in the woods with my kids and we're walking on the path and we find this. And this is an insulator. It's a beehive insulator. And it is as young as 100 years, because they stopped making them in 1921, wow. or as old as being made in 1864, okay? Holy mackerel. So real quick, for our, for our listeners, can I describe what you're holding up? So this is a, this is a roughly salt shaker-shaped mm-hmm. piece of green glass. Yeah, and you can um, see, you see the words there? It's Brookfield and New York. So we know what that this is. That is cool. And this was an insulator for a power line that went by the trolley line right by the school, right? And it's this really cool, like, little historical artifact. They go for about 50 bucks online. I- I'm not wow. going to sell it because it, it, I actually – I find it to be something, you know, it's beautiful and it's a piece of history. And uh, I can keep it and appreciate it. Unlike this episode that we watched tonight – 
I will not keep it. I will not appreciate it. It is dead to me. Let's get on with the review because I'm mad now. <laughs> I don't. I don't know how you do this magic trick you do, but every time we start one of these episodes, I th- I literally think, oh, we're just shooting the breeze here. And the way in which you bring it right around to the topic of our conversation always takes me by genuine surprise, and I love it. My frame of it's- reference for that for that insulator. Yeah. Sorry, go ahead. No, 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 no. I'm go just ahead. gonna say, imagine, imagine in the Godfather when they don't, when they think they're going to New Jersey, right? And then they make that incredible U-turn on the bridge to go back into New York to the restaurant. That's my segues all the time. So we're just going. To, no. <laughs> oh my gosh. My uh, my frame of reference for those little glass insulators is always that scene in The Fox and the Hound where the worm goes under that to avoid getting eaten by the birds. Oh. Have you seen that movie re- in recent memory? Uh, Fox and the Hound, not in a good minute, but I, uh, I, I remember showing it to the kids at the school about like five or six years ago, maybe more, and they, it, 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 it went deep. That one, that one lands. Yeah, yeah that's a heavy, Whew. that's a heavy one. Um, oh, much like the ending of this, we're double dipping on this. So, welcome to Jacob Marley is dead, <laughs> y'all. This is <laughs> your host John, and I'm his sidekick Jimmy. This is a podcast where uh, we we dive into obscure uh, uh, power line history, I suppose, <laughs> and also talk about a Christmas Carol. Um, specifically, we are finally wrapping up our three part adventure with Guy Pierce. In oh. Christmas Carol 2019, and the final chapter of that titled "A Bag of Gravel." John, we got to tell the listeners that this is our second attempt at recording this. At least we had some yeah. scheduling conflicts, and then when we, last week we tried to get together to record, and just my equipment was not working at all, and we couldn't figure it out. So. I mean, I went to Windows 2005, okay? I had a laptop <laughs> that was that old that I tried to use, and I could barely get it to even open the website for how we re- record this podcast, and it never loaded. So we had to call it quits that night, um, and we tried real late. We tried to let that website load for a long time. It just never came across. But we're here now, a week later. Um, I'm actually at a much better place right now. I had a long week of like getting some stuff ready, and it was a lot of pressure on my shoulders. But now that pressure is off, everything is good, and I am ready to record an episode about a really, 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 really boring third act of a bad version of A Christmas Carol. I'm just going to be on front street and say that. We're not even oh going to have- yeah. We're not even going to have to do like the whole end segment of our show <laughs> today. There it is, no, folks. No, um, it's bad. Why don't we? Uh... <laughs> uh. Well, James, why don't we get into talking about how bad it is? Uh, we could not go Marley's home. Like, <laughs> we could just go home no, and no. like be comfortable and not have to James, deal with this. James. John, John, the world come on, must man! Must be peopled. <laughs> oh, 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 God! What a crappy the feed thing. must be episoded. I guess oh, this is Jacob Marley is dead, and we are talking about 2019's A Christmas Carol Part Three: The Bag of Gravel. And we don't want to. <laughs> it was in 
those ships, all three, on Christmas Day, on Christmas Day. And what was in those ships, all three, on Christmas Day in the morning? No, but we will. It is uh, Christmas morning, yeah. seven years ago. Oh, and God. Mary Cratchit is leaving to go to Scrooge's apartment. So those of you who listened last week will recall that Mrs. Cratchit came to Scrooge seven years before this uh, this takes place and basically said to him, I need you to loan me money. You can make my husband work extra hours. I don't care. And he basically said to her, come to my apartment and do whatever I ask you to do on Christmas morning and I will pay you 30 pounds, which she needs to basically save baby tiny tim's life so here our episode starts and she is on her way she is tense she is looking over her shoulder she gets to the door and she asks god's forgiveness and it's she she yeah yeah, it's it's really it is hard to watch and it just doesn't let up as it goes along yeah, yeah. At this point, if you don't fully realize what is about to happen, uh. um, you may need to work on your. This is like the one place where the movie doesn't necessarily beat us over the head with about with what's about to happen. Aside from the Ghost of Christmas, are we still with the Ghost of Christmas Past at this point? I think uh, we yeah, are. we are. Yeah. Oh boy. Um. So Scrooge, meaning because there's a couple of Scrooges we're going to see in this scene. So present day Scrooge, who is experiencing this this flashback, says that he feels cold, right? And he doesn't understand why he feels cold because they're spirits kind of interacting with this memory. And the ghost of Christmas past tells him it's because he's feeling his crimes, like he's feeling the coldness of his own existence. Um, And Scrooge, Scrooge, like... This That's, Scrooge is pretty dense for like a guy who's like the smartest Scrooge I think that we've had. Uh, yeah, I guess technically, but I don't know. I just it's such an act. It feels like now, like yeah. I, I don't even believe his. Cl- it's like it's like the end of Game of Thrones Tyrion as opposed to the original Tyrion. Like he's yeah. he's really like I'm trying to sound smart as opposed to actually being smart. Yeah. Definitely. And and he's um a lot of that is the script where Scrooge like narrates kind of the emotional journey of the character so that the audience gets it. Because as we've well, discussed, the script doesn't trust its audience to in interpret or infer anything. It has to be all laid out. And it and and because it believes that or makes itself believe that, it then makes everything this reductive monologue and self like smarter than it needs to be, trying to be ahead of itself and all these commentaries. And I think that's the problem with Scrooge. You can only take so many of those damn monologues before you don't buy into this character, right? Yeah. You get like yeah. two or three in the first episode. And so by the time you get to the bell one in the second episode. It's just not working, man. So yeah. I, I and, and the very worst one is about to happen. Oh, here, right? God. Yeah. Yeah. So, this... so Scrooge um, in feeling cold believes that something is starting to work and that and that this is maybe a sign that like whatever the spirits are doing, because like he kind of does want to change. It does start to feel like he wants to change, but just doesn't know how or doesn't think he's capable. And the spirit uh, helpfully informs us at this point. This isn't about you. It's about her. 
And that is a hint for us as the audience that we've wasted two episodes of our time thinking that this had anything to do with Ebenezer Scrooge. But we'll talk about that later. Uh, Um, So, oh boy. (laughs) So, yeah. So let's talk about characterization. I think that this Scrooge is really poorly characterized. He... His characterization shifts from scene to scene for whatever self-important message that this adaptation is trying to bring across, right? So in in our opening scenes, he's like almost agoraphobic. He feels very pathetic in a way, like he's scared of people. And so he like lashes out and that the counting is this way to keep himself in control. But now, right, the Scrooge that Mary Cratchit goes to meet is like jigsaw he's like this calculating machiavellian sociopath right who's like fascinated by like what human beings will do to uh like what what is people's virtue worth and blah 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 all this stuff which is not a thing anywhere else in this adaptation no it's really bad writing like they just turn him into this supervillain for this one scene to make sense and it's i want to say it feels lazy yeah, and it also feels like it just it comes across as trying too hard and just missing the goal by a country mile. Like it does yeah. nothing. It makes him in redeem. You can't root for him anymore. You can't root yeah. for the Scrooge. If and so I well, everything past this, I give zero craps about. I give zero craps about Scrooge after this. He has crossed the Rubicon. There is no return for this character where I'm going to root for him. I might not root against him, and I might not be like, I wish ill will on him, but I'm not cheering for this rapist to freaking win the day, okay? Because, sure, he didn't do any, like, physical thing, but this was horrible and an atrocity and a sin that is unforgivable. So here's, yeah, here's the thing, right? I, this is a, this is super complicated because what I think you and I are both about to do is criticize this for trying to, to monkey wrench in a me too sexual assault by a powerful person storyline where it doesn't really need to exist. And here's the thing, right? Uh, <laughs> I'm gonna. We're treading into like murky territory, I think, in terms of of I'll, how I'll to talk you. about this. Like, we have to tread carefully because I don't want to say that this isn't like this is a story that should be told, and it's interesting to try to tell that story here. I don't think it's done particularly well, and I think it kind of undermines the whole thing. Okay, so all right, look, let's get past this. I don't want to talk about it. And just to summarize, there is a way to do this story, okay? Smarter people than me and you will figure it out if they if it needs to be told, right? If it should be yeah. told, it will be told by better people than us, and clearly the people who made it here. Because what happened here was just a bad execution of this, and it didn't yeah. work. And that all—that's all it has to be, because that's what it is. And it sucked. And we're moving on to the next yeah. scene. Yeah. Um, so, well, we should we should explain what happens here, oh. right? I so for I think I think it's important to be clear because what happens is she goes in and she's definitely anticipating that he is going to want to have sex with her, mm-hmm. right? And he makes her say that, which is gross. 
right? He makes her say uh. what she thinks he wants her to do, right? And and the whole the whole thing is predicated on this idea that he wants to see how far she's willing to go, like what her virtue is worth in terms of dollars and cents. And I'm like, okay, I get that idea in in theory, but I feel like this Scrooge up until this point has been one that we haven't seen him play these games with anybody. He doesn't like do it with Bob. He doesn't do it with anyone else. It is it, it is all about this rationality and practicality. And this scene really undermines that a lot and makes him into this other thing. And I don't think this needs to exist. And I have a thought about that that I'll share later. Um, but basically what happens is she disrobes like halfway. Like Ugh. she gets half naked. Um, and then he's basically like, all right, I've seen enough. He wasn't interested in having sex with her. He seems pretty asexual um, in a lot of ways, which I think is someone who, I mean, who is a victim. He is also a victim of sexual assault. We know that from the first episode the, or the previous episode. Um, you know, his whole thing was just seeing how far she would be willing to go. And once it becomes clear that she would willingly go all the way, he's like, all right, take your money and leave. It's, okay? it's, it's so gross and horrible but as i knew it the second the scene began that's what they were going to do okay that it was going to be like a half it it was going to be that because they couldn't do the they couldn't go they couldn't do the whole thing right they weren't going to do that here's my real concern but here's the thing but because they made that as a half measure right there it's almost saying that that's an excusable thing and that's freaking dangerous and horrible yeah that's what i was gonna say do you think that they that they only went to that extent where it's like clear that she would have done it um to be like oh he can still morally get out of this it's a real it's a real ham-fisted way to try to address this issue using a christmas carol for whatever reason it's a really it's a bizarre choice and again i think it's the ultimate version of what i talked about in the first episode which was this miniseries has a really bad habit of taking any idea it has and pushing it to the far extreme Mm -hmm. for the sake of of being edgy and trying to say something and this is this is, you know, releasing in 2019, which means it's being written probably in like 2016, 2017 and being filmed like right. it is being produced and created during like the 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 height of the Me Too, all of these guys being exposed for being shady pieces of crap. Right. So I get it. Like it's in the zeitgeist. I get that creatively. You're like, well, Scrooge is this powerful white guy. Maybe he's also like this. And I just don't know. But that why it would you fits make with a the character, rest of the story? Why would you make a take a character whose whole purpose is that he is not there yet? He is not that guy yet. He is on the brink. He is on the brink. He is this close to becoming that or some uh, or something t- that evil, right? But he's not there yet, and that's why this night is so freaking important to him and the story. And that's why you root for Scrooge to learn the lessons. You want Scrooge to evolve over the course of the story. This Scrooge, I wanted to see get smacked upside the face. And I didn't get it as much as I wanted to. And that's the problem, 
It does. Yeah, it does kind of go easy on him. Later. It goes way easy on him. It goes incredibly easy, and he's still. I'm not there yet. I'm gonna say something real bad about this ending because this movie sucks. Damn it. Anyhow. <laughs> It is not enough. This injustice that he perpetrates is not enough, but the script is also going to perpetrate an injustice oh. on this by having by giving Mrs. Cratchit this line where she's like, one day you'll regret this. And I'm like, great, you talk back to him. And then she's like, I'm a woman and I can conjure such spirits and I effing will. Uh. So now we discover that like the spirits of Christmas are not these like ephemeral beings that whose, whose purposes are mercurial and, and we, it's not clear. They're just revenge ghosts conjured by Mrs. Cratchit. This is like lame ass Lynch, like lame Lynchian types of writing that makes like somebody's trying to be real clever and they're screwing it up. Right. Like they're not like, like what is this choice? Why? Uh, no. So I feel like there's a version of this script that is way more about Mrs. Cratchit and they like wussed out at the last second and made it about Scrooge when it clearly in this last episode wants to be about Mrs. Cratchit. And here's my thing, right? If you're gonna do that, then do that and have it be like a whole adaptation where it turns out like like Mrs. Cratchit is sicking these ghosts on Scrooge. Don't get us through two episodes of it being like a novel take on essentially a basic version of A Christmas Carol and then do this change up at the last minute and expect us all to get on board. It's so bad. It's so poorly done and frustrating because it's such a cool idea. There's some, like I said, there's something there. There is something in that concept, all right, C- clearly, because look, as much as I dislike this, I still watched it. I still enjoyed aspects of it and her performance for what she is given. Yeah, she's great. She's, she's amazing, awesome. but that doesn't save a crap script, bad story structure, and yeah. very weird Vinette Robinson. Yeah. Vinette Robinson is Mrs. Cratchit. For those of you who are who haven't watched this, her performance is very good. Oh. I mean, she really comes in like toe to toe with Andy Serkis, with Guy Pierce, with with all of these like high, high, high caliber actors. Yeah. Um, she's really, really good. So I'm looking forward to seeing her in things that aren't this garbage. Yes, yeah. Um hopefully. So and then like Scrooge tries to wiggle out of it and do this whole thing of like, well, but I gave her the money and that saved her kid's life. So if you're measuring the weight of my soul, oh. on like what good I've done. And it's like, ah, no, that's dumb. Like, don't. And here's my thing, right? I don't look at Scrooge and say, like, you're you're a stupid person for saying that. At this point, I'm just looking at Stephen Knight and being like, this is a, a terrible. Why did you write this? And what person said that it was OK for you to keep this? Like, what editor didn't cut that line out the, at this point? The only way that line works, and there is a way, is that as he's saying it, he breaks down and cries and knows it's BS. Yeah. That at the feet of the ghost of Christmas pass. If he gets yeah. to that saved his life and he's full on bawling on the ground in the fetal position of what he just saw himself do, like, look, I'm not gonna root it for him, but like I would have empath I would feel that oh my gosh, he's aware of the monster he was. That's something. Yeah. Then not well, I th- and I think I, you like, could I do that line in be... that way. 
Sure. I, it doesn't have to be even like that overboard. Like, I do think you get the sense that he understands that what he did was really wrong. I, it's the trying to wiggle out of it at this point that feels a little bit like no, we've been but, through now but, two and a quarter episodes. But I see that's why I think if it's that raw and that big that it could and like you seeing everything that that represents there like that. Yeah, that does a lot of heavy lifting in this. Ver- if you're going this sure. route. You have to have that because I think mm. I think the thing that happens right after does help a little bit because the ghost at this point is basically like, all right, man, I tried. <laughs> yeah, maybe the maybe the next guy can help you out. And he pieces out and Scrooge is yelling after him that he wants to change, but he doesn't know how. Right. right? Which I think is like it's the actually that's, the, that's getting us there. It's the appropriate level Scrooge should be at in the normal structure of a Christmas Carol. He's not fully con- he's not fully there yet, but he's like he's seeing that he's screwed up. And he's aware yeah. of that. That's the correct actual like arc right there. So, so can I pitch you a different version of this climax of the Ghost of Christmas Past that I think would work way better? Hit me. Okay, cut the thing where he's sexually abused at the school. He's just neglected at the school, right? right? Cut it. It does nothing. It does nothing for this character except set up this scene, Ugh. this Mrs. Cratchit situation, which kind of takes him, like you said, across the Rubicon. Like you can't bring him back at this point. Not rooting okay? for him. Not rooting for him. Cut. And cut this Mrs. Cratchit subplot. I think you can keep like the tension over money or over Bob staying at this job. Like give the Cratchits a little bit of tension. Give them some rawness. Sure. But this like this Me Too sexual assault thing that that becomes the focal point of everything moving forward and really undermines like the rest of this movie. Cut it. And you have the big bad thing that Scrooge did be like he knew that cutting costs on that mine would lead to a bunch of people dying. And he said, ultimately, I'm going to make more profit this way. Right. right. And you have to have a scene where it's not just that he didn't know. It's that he knew what the human cost would likely be. And he chose profit over that. Because that's way more in line with everything they've set up with this character at this point anyway. He's not a sadist. He's no. just super rational and weird. And they try to make the sexual assault thing like an issue of rationality. And it falls way short because he performs it so sadistically. It doesn't work. So to me, it's like set up that this mining disaster happened and then keep calling back to it like that, you know, he didn't know or, you know, if he had realized he would have done something different and then show that he did know exactly what would happen and he chose to cut the costs anyway. Because then you have like a dramatic through line leading up to that point. It lays him really low. It's still a really terrible thing, but there's still that like that lack of human connection that you're then forcing him to reckon with. And it's not like he inflicted this mental torture on this poor woman who came to him for help and makes him look like a real creepo it just makes him look like a bad capitalist jerk and it's still way worse than anything in the novella but at least it makes sense for what the story is trying to tell us well it's still in line with the scrooge for, it, it's still this separation of the action right like scrooge always has a middle step in between his cause and effect right which right. which is what putting the past, the present, the future on display for him is to shove his nose in it, right? And be like, look yeah. at what's going on, right? Your actions have effect and what they're doing to people. Um, yeah, and I think that would have been fine. And I, dude, we're not at the end yet, but again, the production design on this is amazing. The character, yeah. the casting is 
great. They're nobody is phoning it in. They're giving crap and they're making it at least meatloaf. Like it is a decent meal, but it's meatloaf. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and they didn't even put like ketchup on it or no, anything. No, they didn't use Rice Krispies. That's what you got to use. You got to put oh, Rice Krispies. Shoot. Yeah, man. You put the Rice Krispies in there. It, it really absorbs it right. And you get a nice crunch on your meat. Oh, yeah, dude. Trust me on this one. <sighs> I remember my Ooh. dad and mom like mixing that stuff up together in a big old bowl. See, I've done it with saltines, but I'm going to Rice Krispies. I'm going to have to try that. I haven't great. had it in years, but now I'm aching for it. There we go. So this is this is what happens when we watch a bad Christmas Carol. We just look for any excuse to talk any, about something else. Any excuse, John. Oh man. So so the ghost of Christmas past is back on the Christmas tree farm, and Marley asks <laughs> if anything will work. I don't know why that. Popped. And the ghost just kind of pieces out. He's like, <laughs> I don't know why the Christmas tree farm made me pop, but that was just like it was the right moment right there. I was like, yeah, that's right, the Christmas tree farm. It's the lamest. Return location, that should be the coolest damn thing in the entire... Like, it's such a... There's something really cool about it, but it isn't cool. I don't know yeah. how to else to describe it. Like It's really... Gen- it's generic Christmas limbo. Right. Um, and then, of course, this someone walks up to him, right? Mm-hmm. So the second ghost. Um, <sighs> Are we meant to believe it's Mrs. Cratchit at this moment? Are we meant to believe... I don't... I don't know who we're meant to believe it is, but all we know is that Marley recognizes them. Because he's like, they're sending you? Why? What the heck? Like, who could... Like, who would Marley know? Like, who would Marley know that Scrooge knows that it would be a thing? And, and how would we know that he knows her? Unless you show us that bit of information so that we could maybe even come up with that theory a little bit. See, it's... It Context! <laughs> Well, yeah, we're going to talk about that later. It is a moment of this thing showing a little bit of restraint by not having a whole scene between Marley and this character at some point to establish their relationship. But it's enough for us to know that this isn't just some spirit, right? It's not like the Andy Serkis Krampus of Christmas (laughs) past. It's, It's someone wearing kind of like a hood. Looks like a woman. I mean, it's hard to tell, but I feel like you can kind of tell it's a woman. Um so we cut to this scene of Scrooge back at home and he's kind of practicing saying nice Christmassy things, which I think is one of the few genuinely funny moments in this whole episode. This guy Pierce's delivery is he's like, so not committed to any of the things that he's saying, I was which gone. works in this moment. I, I couldn't, I couldn't do it, John. I was, I was too far down the rabbit hole. I was like, Nope, don't give a crap about this guy. Where's black adder. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the ghost of Christmas present is his sister, is Lottie, um, who we have not seen as an adult ever, which undercuts this a lot. I had three theories of who this woman was because I did not know who this woman was because they just glance over it so quickly with nothing to help reestablish who they are meant to be. I thought it was his sister because I, I knew that was a possibility. I thought it was his fiance from that flashback in the video. I thought that was oh, it. Yeah. That could have been an interesting choice. And I also thought maybe it was his mom. Like, right. like I like, but that should have been the past. But like, yeah, and it could have been any of them because we've never established anything about his relationship to this character outside the time she rolled up strapped to the school to rescue him from a child molester. But here's the thing. It's the present. Shouldn't it be somebody alive? 
Shouldn't it be somebody that is actually like on earth? Like, cause if you're going this route, if you're doing this, it should, it should be Bob Cratchit who doesn't have anything to do this episode. There you go. Boom. I'm good. Let's go. <laughs> yeah. Cause that's the other thing. It's super unclear if it's actually her or if it's just another shapeshifter situation. Well, it's, every, you know what it's I mean? Spirits. She talks like it's her. Yeah. I, I, I don't care. <laughs> I, like, I'm at- right so it's like is she coming down from heaven or or wherever whatever's on the other side of the christmas tree farm to to like help out in this situation it she never acts like it's not her but you do get the sense that it may be something other than her well it's it's you know what's kind of like in that respect it's kind of like uh our town yeah kind of like yeah. like third act our town grave like that type of vibe not to spoil our town but like there is once there's a crossover yeah, not, not to spoil that 100 year old <laughs> john it's 2021 i don't know what people get spoiled about anymore that play that every high school in the history of the planet has done at some point it's one of the greatest plays of all freaking time but anyway oh, listen listen i won't argue with that i i i could do our town on tour like i would gladly definitely just i was the milkman yeah. in our town let me just let me drop that name for everybody and working with it is george it's no big deal uh, sh- shut fun. up actual lead <laughs> um here's the here's the deal though i got to be the milkman i had to like create an entire invisible horse and like all the mechanics of it it was so enjoyable and so awesome as opposed to this freaking thing we are reviewing right now this is just a whole episode of cold opens. We don't want to talk about it, John, because because here's the thing: this goes against the entire joy of this podcast. I know this is the reason why you wanted to do this show. I think it's appropriate to talk about it. We're kind of we know where we're going a little bit, but let's like you wanted to do this to talk about this. But in the getting there, we have created such a fun environment that this thing needs to be done with. We need to yeah, be done with this demon, bury it appropriately under a tombstone that we can then go to the bathroom on. So, <laughs> <laughs> all right. So let's get let's get our our half baked Christmas present on. So yeah, it's his sister. It's a really weird choice to have it be his sister, but it's also kind of like it's a weird choice for a bunch of reasons because she's kind of like comforting him a little bit after we've seen him become a sexual assault person. Right. Sexual assaulter. Is that what you would say? He doesn't really rape her. It's assault. Just, it's assault. Yeah, it's assault. I mean, you could. Uh, it's. I mean, I'm gonna cut out myself trying to make that distinction. It's all the same to, thing. So, so yeah, she he she's trying to comfort him, and yeah. it's it's look, it's complicated for a lot of reasons, and also I still don't know if it's his mom or his fiance. So I'm still trying to figure out the dynamic between these two or possibly three other personalities, and yeah. it's just. She takes him on a tour of like two things, two things that are supposed to turn. It's two things, two things that are supposed to turn him on this day. Whereas in the novella, we get a marathon of locations and quite literally at one point where we just start traveling across the land. It's. It's very underwhelming. Yeah, that's the weird thing, because they really, really wanted to cram as much as they could into Christmas past to the point that it takes up like 
almost three episodes because Christmas past sort of starts during the Marley sequence is the entirety of the second episode and is basically the first quarter of this episode, which leaves us very, very little time for for present and future, neither of which have any of the impact. So and real she quick, takes him. Sorry, if you're going to do you could do the entire first episode like you did it, right? You could do that entire first episode like that. Second episode, half of it is past. Other half is present and on th- a g- third ghost. Hell of a cliffhanger, right? You know it's coming. Death, death, uh, sorry, future, 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 then present Christmas Day, and then his re- and then his being joyful and jumping around. And I, I, I'm going to talk about that in a minute. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's very different. Oh. So the first place she takes him is to... Um, is to the Cratchits and she basically is just telling him what's going on. Like Mary is writing Tim a book that she memorized because she has a very good memory. And I feel like that very good memory line is supposed to be, she remembers what you did. Right. Um, oh, oh yeah. 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 And, and Bob is fixing Belinda's uh, skates. I should say Chekhov's skates because <laughs> Jesus, I, by this point I was like, so is he just going to die on the ice? Like, I'm like, I get it. Like I, I wink, wink, nudge, nudge, say no more. Okay. It's happening. Yeah. Oh my God. There's the this, ice uh, is yeah, going to break. Ice. Yeah. There's this really, really half-baked message about love filling in the gaps for money, which really sucks because we've watched the Cratchits be absolutely miserable to each other this whole time. Like, the Cratchits are, like, full of tension. They are unhappy people. So this ghost telling us, like, their love for each other fills in the gaps reads super false because it's not, like, that's not what we're seeing. Right. Um. There is also language about like the way secrets will tear families apart. And like the secret that Mrs. Cratchit is keeping is, is sort of like the impetus for all that tension. So whatever. I mean, Um, it's a choice again, if you're just bad execution of this idea and it's not working and it doesn't come through as true. And also at the same time, I do like this way of starting Christmas day. Actually. I wouldn't yeah. mind seeing this in other productions. I'm hoping sure. some other adaptation goes with this idea of them making the presents. Because I think, yeah. A, it's a really sweet notion that they do that. And B, it gives another scene to Mrs. Cratchit in future, future adaptations. I, yeah. really, I really would like to see this. Yeah. Um, <laughs> there's... <sighs> Oh boy. What? Scrooge has like a little flashback to Alibaba at this point, kind of remembering like that love on Christmas Day, whatever. Um, there's this super patronizing thing where she's like, You didn't count the ornaments on the tree. You just watched. Ooh, Scrooge is changing. Like, and then. Yeah, no, um, no, 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 no. We got back up. That sucked. And s- stupid. And shame. Moving on. Yeah. Um, so Mary tries to tell Bob the truth, right? She like goes out back and he's out there and she tries to tell him the truth, but then she can see Scrooge like kind of like she sort of sees him like ghostly over Bob's shoulder and he realizes that that um, she can see him. And of course, because this movie thinks that the people watching it are are complete idiots the ghost of of christmas present has this throwaway line that's like when people have like literally she says it like this when people have strong emotions sometimes they can see spirits 
And it's literally just there to explain a thing that doesn't need explanation, right? This movie thinks that people have never heard of ghost movies or a Christmas Carol before and can't figure out that that's what's going on, that she can see him because of the trauma, right? It's so... So she, so she makes up a lie. Like, Mrs. Cratchit sees the ghost and she makes up this lie that she, like, borrowed money from her old employer who's now dead. Um, and... Bob just buys into this horse crap yeah, right away. Yeah, he buys it pretty quick. What a freaking simp. Jesus, this is freaking sad to watch this cuck here. Like, come on. Like, this is <laughs> this is just freaking embarrassing. Like, dude. What it's pretty the? bad. I, I, not my Cratchit. <laughs> well, it's okay, because they'll make up for that in like two seconds. Will they? Um, well, yeah. So we'll get to that. Um, Scrooge doesn't understand why Mary's lying, proving that he's the dumbest, smartest Scrooge. Like you, th- let's go back to that because I don't think we reference it. He says, "Take the money under the condition that you have to always keep Bob under my employ. He is good at what he does, and he likes his company. If he doesn't oh, actually, if he actually doesn't come out and say it, he basically. I feel like my it. brain shut down. At it's that, point, that freaking totally, stupid. Yeah. But that is the reason why Mrs. Cratchit has to, she knows she has to either tell him what happened, right? So he can quit. Or she has to come up with a way of telling Bob not to quit his job because that's what's about to happen. Bob is, Bob's going to quit, which, okay, good on you. Yeah. Yeah. So he's he's going to quit. He got a, a job offer from the, so this is this is a job offer from the um the charity collector guy who talked to him at the church at the beginning and then yelled at Scrooge about the pennies. Like that guy's going to give him a job. Which which I guess he yelled at Scrooge and then was like, "Bob shouldn't have to work for that guy. I'm going to give him a job. I kinda, I'm the best version of the charity collector." I like that. I I I actually really like this beat. I was like, "Good on you, man." Like that's like no, no, nobody has to work for that asshole. Like, that is 100% like, okay, I actually didn't know about this charity character for a little bit, but now, like, all right, good on you, buddy. Well done. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Mary is, like, very upset because... Of all this tension. Uh, she doesn't know what to do. She can't... Yeah. She, so she knows she... And then she's, like, screaming for Scrooge to get out of her house, and, and it's making her look like a crazy person. Well, there is and a Scrooge guest... Scrooge has to kind of reckon with it. Well, there is a guest there. They have a, a guest over for the holiday, and so it's... Is it her sister? Uh, her I think it was right? just a neighbor, but I could be wrong, but she's like, get out of my house. And I feel like the accepted answer is like, she's telling the neighbor to get out, but it's like so crazy that she doesn't respond to it. It's, uh, it's rough. I mean, it's, it's a appropriate reaction, right? To the situation that's been set up. It just sucks that that's the situation that the people who created this show have chosen to set up. I don't want to watch it. I don't want to watch it. I don't enjoy it. And I'm not happy that I've seen it. So this leads into what is actually my favorite scene in this miniseries. And unfortunately, that scene takes place after we after the whole thing has been ruined by this terrible plot point. Um, So the spirit takes Scrooge to this small little church in the Welsh woods. It's a beautiful setting like this old forest in the snow. And there's this tiny little church in there. And you hear that just beautiful like Anglican hymn kind of coming out like it's really really gorgeous it's um it's pretty freaking lovely it's a, a beautiful little scene and 
And how much better would it be if the climax of the Ghost of Christmas Past had been the mining disaster instead of the sexual assault of Mrs. Cratchit? I right? I concur. Because this is the the survivors of the mining disaster. And every year at Christmas, which is when this accident happened, they have this special service where they come and commemorate the people who died in this mining disaster. And we get introduced properly to the character with the scar from the opening of the miniseries. So we now mm-hmm. know who that character is and know how they get to London. That's how they spend their holidays and every, cause he's got no family left. This kid with the scar who we've been following has nobody left in their life. So he's just always on the holidays going to go up on Christmas and excuse me, folks piss on Scrooge and Marley's graves. And yeah. I mean, right on, but that's a sad story and that we learned the full length of it. Like, it's not just I got a scar in the face. That's some sad stuff. And again, that's the appropriate and the maximum level of evil that Scrooge can perpetrate. That is yeah. that is the limit. You can't go any further than that. Anything more than that, it's, it's too far. And we know it's too far because we've now seen the example. So I'm trying to figure out, like, what is it? What is it that makes that difference? Why are we able to sit here and say him a mining disaster that ends a whole bunch of lives is preferable to him sexually assaulting Mrs. Cratchit. It's like, why is, why does one of those feel like it would work for me and one of them not? Because there is that, you know, that ignorance there. There is, there is that Scrooge does not quite grasp the situation. He's in the room with Mrs. Cratchit. He's right there with her. He is in complete control of that situation because her child's life is on the line. She will do anything. And he knows that. And yeah. he's playing one is, with one her. is like sadistic, right? One it's is a, intentionally it's a sadistic, and one you could you could read as just privileged, benign and ignorance, feeling. You know, yeah. like it's just he, he's 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 ill informed of the situation, has made assumptions. There are probably yes people on the road to him with this information that kind of make him believe it, or at least give him enough room to believe it. And you could also do, if you don't redeem Marley, that Marley was more crooked than Scrooge and let him down the primrose path. Those are possibilities there. Like, you can play with this dynamic with Scrooge and get away with that. You can't when he's in the room. Yeah. When he's. It really, really feels like they were producing this and like the Me Too stuff was happening. They were like, and someone said, hey, you know what? What if Scrooge Me Too's Mrs. Cratchit? And just no one thought about whether or not that would fit in with the rest of the things that they're doing. Right. And it does make the mining disaster, which in terms of the narrative is a much bigger deal, like a throwaway thing. It's the reason the kid pisses on the grave. It's the opening shot of the series. And. And yeah. without that being the most important thing, it's not the focus. That scene doesn't have as much weight that we're going to get to in a minute. And the thing is, this church sequence where he sees these people like united in like hope moves him more than watching anything having to do with Mrs. Cratchit. It's the, right. It's the better. It's the best example of humanity he has seen. Right. It And it is. It's beautiful. It's. Yeah. It's all it's all inspiring in a sense, actually. And then he looks at the simple beauty of it all, right? That's just kind of stuff, and like and the hope that that inspires as a community, right? Coming together and making this sound, music, beautiful, wonderful, angelic music that 
can lift the soul and it does yeah. it and actually also like does. he notes the fact that a lot of them don't bear him any hatred right like, that they've released that or they've forgiven that or they've chose like and not to say that he shouldn't like not to say that he doesn't deserve it but like in a way that's more moving like the fact that he does deserve that hatred but a lot of them have chosen not oh, to hate him in that way anybody who- it's frustrating right because this is one of the best scenes we've seen in a christmas carol right? right like this is this could have so much impact if it hadn't been completely poisoned by this other plot line that they've chosen to woven in and we're gonna get to it but the real damage here the real problem is you can't even do like a hobbit edit of this where that could be taken out the the when we get to the ending it's so intertwined that there's no yeah. way out this is a yeah. This is a, we'll get to what it is at the end. Yeah, because this could be like a real catalyst for like some kind of a moment where he thinks he like is starting to understand. And that is kind of what happens. Like he starts to understand. He expresses regrets to his sister. Like I I wasn't able to love you. It was too late for me. Like right. because he had been assaulted, right? It just killed the love in him. So even which, the fact that his sister came and rescued pause him. Pause for a second. That's, uh, I don't know. I mean, that, I mean, it's. It's difficult for people. I'm not going to say it is a case-by-case basis, but I'm just, I don't know. That's a big statement for the thing to be making. I'm just saying. I think that if, I think that if you hadn't turned around and then turned him into a rapist, it would have felt like I would have really felt the impact of it. And here's the thing, right? People who are abused in that way and people who are assaulted, especially as children, often go around and come around to perpetrate that abuse on other people. That's a well-documented scenario. But that's what I was saying in the, in the, like, the last episode or the episode before of this. This miniseries sets up problems for itself that it then has to kind of wade through. Like by having Scrooge get assaulted at a young age, uh, like you almost have to kind of assume that he's going to go down that dark path because he has no one there to help him not become that thing. But if you had just nixed that entire plot line, like don't have him get sexually assaulted at the school, even if that is a thing that would happen just for the sake of telling like a well-balanced story, right? Yeah. The sexual assault stuff really, really knocks this story off balance in a way that I don't think it's able to recover from in the end. It's not, str- it's not strong enough to deal with it. Dickens did not intend for this story to be a interpretation for this. It's just, it's, it wasn't his intention. All right. And that's just the way it is sometimes with art, you know, you and look, I can't, as much as we have problems with this and we've been going on about it, you got to give him credit for trying, you know? Sure. I mean, in that sense, like you don't know until you know, and now we know, And they gave it their best shot because it's the best production we've ever seen for a Christmas Carol. It's one of the best casts sure. we've ever seen. We've been saying this, but like, I'll it, be surprised if we see one that has this much production value ever again after this. Right, and and it and it did everything else perfect, but because of that twist on it, it failed. And so I think yeah. that's proof that maybe this is just not a compatible story for it. Maybe that's the way it is. Yeah. At least we now know. Um, so we get. The she starts talking about um, he can't make any more excuses because he's about to face the third spirit, the terrible one, the unknown one, the one who decides, which I was like, that's cool. I'm I'm down with that. Like that description is great. And I like the fact that she's like, you have to listen to me. Like if what you just saw affected you in any way, stop making excuses and just be honest. Right. Because this is your last chance. Um, and I like that notion. I like that notion that these other two spirits are there to show him what happened to him in the past, what's going on right now in the present. And 
he has to take that to this last spirit and be like, okay, this is, this is who I am and I'm willing to make this change. Um, and then she's gone. It's an interesting part of the timeline here real quick to give frame of reference. It's still the morning at the church at this moment in the story, right? It was very early morning at the Cratchits early on. I kind of get the vibe that like, it's like kind of moving in like a sort of real time to when he's going to spoilers, wake up or uh, from whatever this is, right. That it's kind of like it, like, because where we're about to get is the future, but not that far into the future at all. Yeah. No, it's the, yeah, it's like the pretty immediate future. Right. Which Um, makes me believe that we are in like, and a weird like inception version of like this. I, I know I'm not trying to go too big on the dream thing, but like time is moving so slow right now. What Scrooge is about to experience, but we're right before the moment in um, what was the end of the present just before. Yeah. If I stopped your half a crown for it, you'd think yourself who you is, wouldn't you? Hmm? But you don't think me or you is if I pay a day's wages for no work, do you? Tis hmm? only once a year, sir. It's a poor excuse for picking men's pocket every 25th of December. So let's talk about this Ghost of Christmas future. Um, Scrooge goes back into the church. He has to go back into the church to meet the last spirit. Um, And it's the future. So the church is empty. It's collapsed. The bell is lying on the floor. Mm -hmm. It's all kind of dilapidated and broken down like a big church bell. And uh, we see a figure behind Scrooge reach down, pick up the bell in what essentially boils down to this is like a WWE entrance for this character. This is maybe like, the best. Ent- I will say this. This is an amazing entrance for the Ghost of Christmas Future. Like he yeah. phases in out of focus, right? So we don't get a good look at him, right? And then he walks over to the bell and John says, Church bell. Let me put it in another context. He picks up one hand, mind you, the Liberty Bell size bell. This is a huge yeah. bell and with one hand rings it and it's the coolest damn thing ever. And then just in case the audience uh, was like on Quaaludes this whole time, Scrooge is like, the spirit comes when the bell rings. Are you watching audience? He rang the bell. Huh, did you get it? He rang the bell and that's when the spirits show up. I hate this script. Um, <laughs> it feels and like it, I'm, and just gonna it keeps right going. I'm just going to say it right now and because we're talking the script. This feels like too many cooks in the script department, obviously. Or just like a first draft that no one said no to. Yeah. Like Stephen Knight wrote the whole thing and no one said no because he wrote Peaky Blinders and How Dare We Presume, right? <laughs> I'm a, I'm, Peaky Knight, Blinders. You know, like, that show I'm not going to watch on Netflix. Yeah, anyway. Um, <laughs> that show that self-important tossers like take screenshots of and put text on it and then post it on their Facebook walls. Um, I'm so out of the loop, I'm happy. <laughs> yeah. It's very like literally every Peaky Blinders like Facebook meme you see is one of those like only God can judge me kind of energy. It's oh. just all like that kind of douche bro stuff. Anyway, um, the the Ghost of Christmas. So this is Jason Fleming as the Ghost of Christmas Future. 
he's dressed as an undertaker so which is very cool i'm like yeah it's that actually is like a very unique take very i wish the ghost of christmas present had been something artistically unique instead of the weakest possible choice Ugh. um He's his mouth is stitched shut because once again this wouldn't know subtlety if it jumped up and like bit it on the rear end and because it, it just does not trust you with subtextual information at all Scrooge is like I see because we can never know the future you are not allowed to speak that is verbatim what he says when I talk about this script being really dumb that's what I'm talking about it tries so hard to be like clever and smart and then it says lines completely unironically like that I don't know if this was the line, but a line that stupid, I was reminded when you read that line. So I think it was this one. I just yelled at the screen, stop being dumb. (laughs) I mean, that has to be the dumbest line in anything I've ever watched. Like, that's really bad. Oh my gosh. It's horrible. It's freaking horrible. And it's, and it's such a shame to see it fall. Again, I'm not trying to, beat a dead horse but it really is latter day Tyrion on game of thrones the last few seasons where he was just a dummy and had to spell everything out to the audience because nobody clever was writing the damn script anymore they were freeballing it here and it was horrible um yeah so they they go to scrooge's office bob is turning in his resignation letter um scrooge is not there we don't know where Scrooge is. And we get the indication that this is still Christmas Day of this Christmas. Yeah. I, that it's because he's about to resign. So we like, so the dinner either it j- it just happened, the weird moment happened in the present, and the future after that is Bob goes immediately to the office, signs his resignation, puts it on the table and th- on the desk, and then what happens next? Yeah. So this is a very. This is, uh, from a storytelling perspective, really dumb, but visually very cool because we look up at the roof of Scrooge's counting house. And what it seems like is that we are underwater looking up at a sheet of ice. And on that ice, we see a small person with a pair of very large ice gates slowly moving across the very thin ice. Oh, yeah. Because... It's Tiny Tim. He's taken Belinda's ice skates. This is something that's going to happen later on, like today in the in the thing. Oh, God. And he is about to fall through the ice. And that's how he's going to die. And we see this. It's really dramatic because he falls through the ice. And then Scrooge is like standing in the counting house looking up. And it looks like Tim is like floating down through the ceiling of ice in the water. It's like one of the best visual effects I think I've ever seen in a TV show, but it's so frustrating because it means Tim's death has nothing, 0% to do with anything that Scrooge is doing. Nothing, right? Scrooge didn't cause him to be born like a little person who can't go out on the ice. And if anything, like Scrooge did save his life because he did a crappy thing, but ended up paying Mrs. Cratchit. Like Scrooge bears no responsibility in his death. And which is the whole thing. And right? with the what, whole right, right, right. And here's the thing with what's going to happen later. Holy oh, yeah. crap. Holy, holy, holy crap. Okay. It's, it's a, it is a mess. Oh, it's a boy. mess. Uh, I, I, by um, like this visual, while it is well executed and amazing, I could have gone my whole life without seeing that. Yeah, okay. It's, it's pretty, it's pretty haunting to like watch. I, I could have gone, I, I, I teach very small children. I could have gone without this moment. I just gotta be honest yeah. with you. Yeah. 
Um, so from here, we're at the Cratchit house for 10. We, we like, yeah. yeah, we transition to the Cratchit house and, um, you know, the Cratchits have brought Tim because Belinda shows up at the counting house and is like, there was an accident. Tim right. fell through the ice and like Bob goes and runs off with her. And then we flash over to the Cratchit house where like he, he was pulled out of the out of the hole in the ice and they're like trying to save him. Um, and he's like dying in the other room. And then Scrooge sees him. Mm-hmm. Right. Scrooge sees Tim like standing in the backyard um, there's a point here where like the spirit like puts a hand on his head and is communicating to him telepathically, which is dumb. It's like a weird way to get around the fact that the spirit's not allowed to talk. So I don't know why they're doing that. This is a whole mess. And then <laughs> Scrooge like Scrooge runs into the house yeah, to try to save Tim to try, try to like prevent Tim from dying because for whatever reason, Scrooge is really concerned about Tiny Tim, even though the Christmas present went by so fast. There's like no space for him to have developed that need for Tim not to die. Maybe just seeing him drowning was enough. I don't know. Um, and there's this actually very cool transition where the spirit stops Scrooge and throws him. And then like Scrooge goes tumbling back and then the spirit's there and catches him and like kind of tosses him down like through several iterations of himself. It was like... I don't know. I like the way it was filmed. It was an interesting thing to look at while I was thinking about how dumb this script is. John, to quote Gandalf the Grey, I have no memory of this place. I completely forgot that part of the sequence because this is so damn boring. I don't care about this. Yeah, it really it really happened like uh, that after the Mary Cratchit sequence, it's really hard for me to care about anything else because I just don't buy a version of this where Scrooge is redeemable. Right. And they're trying. They really are trying to make him seem remorseful and make him seem redeemable up until this point. But we'll get to the end Uh. where that all gets thrown out the window in a really weird way. Um, So he ends up back in his room after all of this. Um getting thrown around and he sees his dead body there right so he knows he's dead he doesn't know what year it is he doesn't have much of a reaction to it the scrooge is pretty nihilistic in general mm-hmm. and i kind of like that i like that th- we've seen a couple of times where S- the scrooge knew they were dead before they got to the end and i think in this one it works great because right. he really just does not care about himself or anything right like that's like that's good. That's I can I can buy that. I can buy that aspect of it because what he sees next, that makes all right. Like that's yeah. Whew. So then we move directly from there to the graveyard where now Scrooge has been buried next to Marley. Like they're a, like they're a nice little couple, and uh, the scar, which is convenient for the Scarface kid because he doesn't have to like go from one graveyard to another to pee on both graves. Oh God, he's in Glasgow? Okay, I'll get him on Easter and I'll get him on Christmas. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, And he is back at this point to pee on the graves. And then um, Scrooge asks what happened to Tim Cratchit and well, he sees no. the Cratchits all gathered at another grave close by. Before that, though, he goes, well done. <laughs> like <he's, laughs> yeah, yeah. He does say to the scarred kid, he does say as he pisses on his grave, he's like, yeah, that's about right. Uh, which is yeah. at least a, an admission that that's what he deserves. That that yeah. his legacy is nothing but a place to go to the bathroom on. Yeah, and I, so in, this is where my feelings towards the end of this get complicated. Because while there is like this great catharsis in the moment where Scrooge realizes that he has another chance to make things right, there's also like, there's an effectiveness here to him being like, 
yeah, this seems about right. Right. No begging, no wanting to live, no wanting to change things. He's just there like, yeah, I'm I'm in this cheap grave getting peed on. That's about what I deserve. I'm and that. Marley. Yeah. And Marley shows up again and they kind of have a conversation to that effect. I got to say, I really love this um, addition. Like I have kind of hated all second appearances of Marley. I, as a mm-hmm. general rule, I don't like that. I like this here. I like their familiarity in this moment. I like how intimate they are, you know, like, and it's also just like Marley's kind of understands if Scrooge has failed in a weird way, because he's kind of come to terms, I think for the first time really with what his part in all of this was, maybe he didn't do, you know, everything Scrooge did, (laughs) but he did all the business stuff. He, sure. he caused- well, we don't really see. We don't really see. It. I'm sure. Like Marley seems like the skeezier of the two of them most of the time. I agree. Right? Which is why he usually. I also just like can't shake Stephen Graham as Al Capone out of my head. So. Oh well, yeah. Well, who could? <laughs> but he's also my favorite, like low level member of the gangs of New York crew. Like, like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Talk about a movie with I have complex feelings about. Good God, yeah. How about it? Jeez. <laughs> so, so here's the thing, right? In this moment, Scrooge refuses traditional, like, redemption. And uh, with what this movie has chosen to do, I get that. Because I think if you tried to have him feel like a really redeemed character at the end of all of this, Mm -hmm. it would feel hollow because you're like, I don't know if I want this guy who's like, who creepily sexually assaulted this woman right to then like be full of christmas cheer mm-hmm. and and everything's fine right but and and he says that scrooge basically says if i achieve forgiveness i can use that to justify everything that i have done up until this point right and he's right like he's not wrong and what he says in this moment is like i don't want anything i don't want anything for myself the only thing that i want to change is to let that boy live right and then we see like all the spirits like he looks over and marley's gone and then it flashes down into the grave and marley's like laying back down with the coins on his eyes finally at rest and the three spirits are there and they all like kind of turn and slip away into the shadows satisfied that their job is done because scrooge wants to do one good thing and this would be an amazing sequence, a really amazing sequence, if he hadn't done what he freaking done less than an hour ago. I, I'm sorry, I can't get past that. And it's to- it totally takes any joy out of this, but it is a well shot, well framed, and well paced. I- it's complicated, right? Because we, he, what he's saying is, I want nothing for myself. I don't want forgiveness. I want him to live, which that kid deserves to live more than me, which is true. And it's like a moment of total selflessness on his part, which I, I see as like, this is the thing that the spirits were really here for, for him to, to figure that out and to have a chance. Basically he gets a chance to save Tim is what happens here. And that's fine and dandy, but then he needed to die and we'll get to that. But so, yeah. And it's like, it's like, um, you're gonna you're gonna be spewing that stuff. Then you best be coming back to pay the bill because it's he on. He gets then. like he realizes that like it's still Christmas that he's not dead yet. The Tim's not dead yet, and he runs into town. And and well, he's woken up by a woman. Movie, he's woken up by a woman well, throwing gravel. 
Well, no, no, no. He falls. So that's oh, the thing. Okay. He runs into town and slips, right? Okay. So he, this movie here, I think, is like almost like kind of acknowledging that it's created an irredeemable Scrooge, but he has a chance to do one good thing. But then it does kind of try to also have its cake and eat it too, where it's like he Scrooge is like excited to have this, uh, this really dumb epiphany that we're going to talk about. Oh, so he runs oh, into town and he slips on the stupidest of freaking epiphanies. I was like, again, season this epiphany by the way is the the entire title of this episode is based on this right the bag of gravel so he runs into town and he slips on the season nine Tyrion. okay yeah yeah and he you know it he like you know it knocks some sense into him or whatever and there's this old woman there who's like oh i'm sorry that looks like it hurt i didn't have a chance to throw gravel out on the ice like i normally do to keep that from happening right and then he has this epiphany that's like it's like kind of a version of all of those weird like monologues that he had early on where he was like calculating and weird and cold. But now he's like, oh, throwing gravel on the ice. It's an unselfish action that one person does for another. And okay, and it's such a dumb it's like, I guess, supposed to be like an object lesson or something, even though he just spent three nights with spirits showing him like how selflessness is bad or good and selfishness is bad. And John, and- can I give you a weird analogy here? It's. I think. Yeah. It, I think it'll. I think it'll really sum up how this went with these monologues. Okay, in wrestling, you can have a certain style of promo you cut. Right, you can have a certain type of thing. A Hulk Hogan, what you're gonna do, brother? You know, a Bret Hart, the best there is, the best there was, the best there ever will be. A CM Punk, best in the world. You can have anything like that, right? But you gotta change it up every once in a while, and you gotta spread it out, right? Because if you mm-hmm. do that every week at the same time over and over again, the audience is going to get freaking bored with it. And that's what happened here within the span of three episodes. We got the same type of promo with the same pacing and same like McConaughey trying to be McConaughey and true detectives. Like the time is a flat circle filled with gravel. That's the basis <laughs> of human existence. All praise gravel. All right, all right, all right. Like, it's trying to be that, and and it's trying to be that way too much. True Detectives really only gave you, like, one of those per episode. This was, like... If episode, if right? Epi- like, once every once episode, in a while. Yeah. Right? Like, maybe little snippets here and there, but not, like, every freaking episode had that type of monologue. This one had that type of monologue three to two times each episode. So by this point, when he has his epiphany, I'm done-zoed with it. I am done-zoed. It's really dumb writing masquerading as good writing. And I think if you if you have seen shows with really good writing and then you watch a show with really dumb writing, try to sound like it has smart writing, it's really obvious. And that sounds pretentious, probably. But I don't care. The writing in this miniseries is so dumb and so annoying and like needed a couple more drafts to kind of work out the kinks. So the whole thing here is that he takes this bag of gravel from this woman and he realizes that to save Tiny Tim, he's going to go spread gravel on the ice. And he's going to ruin a bunch of kids Christmases to save Tiny Tim. That's his like altru- his literally one altruistic thing that he like chooses to do. OK, so to, to pause here for a second. I thought this was setting up something genius, actually. Oh, really? I thought what was going to happen was people were going to see Scrooge doing this 
and know mm-hmm. that he ruined Christmas for kids. And then he was going to do something else that made it look like he was being even worse and was going to build up tension to where in the middle of maybe a commotion, right? Of Scrooge doing all this stuff and it's just being interpreted the wrong way of him trying to save everybody. He's actually looking worse and worse. That's when Scar Kid comes in with a gun or a knife and kills Scrooge that day. Keeping the future yeah. in line, except that Tiny Tim lives, and the deal is made that he said he would be okay with. And yeah. that is what I thought was going to happen. God, that's way better. Right? Like, he doesn't get redemption. He gets shanked. He gets shanked, yeah. and he dies. And who knows if he bears the chain or not, but he doesn't get to live a wealthy man's life after that happens. He doesn't get to. And then... You could still have it be like, no, Scrooge was all old scratch was worse. You remember the night he went crazy and ruined Christmas for everybody? Like, <laughs> like that's a great like twist on it. Like, okay, let's go there. Yeah. Nope. And I wonder since yeah, since you've already pushed it this far, it's like Go full regalia. Go full yeah. nuts on it. All right? Like just do it do do it up, man. Like go all out because anything left less is just a is a half cocked and it's bad it's a half measure and you don't go with a half measure you go with full measures that's yeah. art and that's the truth of it only when you commit fully to a project do you really get the most out of that art that you can for ill or bad for good or yeah. bad you know this movie has literally no clue how to wrap up all of the threads that it's put in place right it sets up all these really dumb things and character tensions and it gets to the end and is like eh, and just kind of throws its hands up in the air so he throws this like this stuff around on the ice and no one cares because it's like this is so mind-numbing at this point but imagine imagine and, he's got kids on the ice imagine he's yeah. got kids and he's shooing them off the ice being all jerky about it and then dumping yeah. gravel i'm sorry i'm going off on a tangent but i'm like that would have been such God, that would be way that would be way better right like that's an amazing like Nobody knows why he's doing it. He's always remembered as a monster. His grave will still be pissed on, right? Yeah. And that is his punishment. But he made a deal. He was going to save Tiny Tim's life. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so then he goes straight to the Cratchits, which is pretty terrible because it really, it, like, it's awful because he sexually assaulted this woman. Right. Right. And he's now going into her home and acting like a crazy person. like Re-traumatizing her re-traumatizing right. and this is where and this is what i'm saying is like this has no idea how to wrap this up because you can't like how else do you well, do it so he goes in there and and it's like a it's just like a wet fart because he's basically like says to bob like i know you're gonna quit you have my blessing i'm gonna give you 500 pounds and like i'll write you a check for 500 pounds and and you'll never you have know, to see go. me again he's got yeah. because the script is trying to get him there before she has her moment and Christmas is quote unquote ruined because of that, right? He's trying yeah. to get there because the script needs him to get there because the Cratchits need to have a good Christmas because we just put Mrs. Cratchit, this character, yeah. through all of that a few moments ago. Yeah. Oh boy. And then, so she basically like shows him out after he has his like crazy moment. And Tiny Tim likes Scrooge. Tiny Tim likes this Scrooge. And that sucks. Because Tiny Tim. He's entertained by him. And Tiny Tim, you will fly. 
because it's a book about Icarus and Tiny Tim is going to fly because Alibaba and all that BS and Scrooge is like that with him. Okay, hold on. I have to explain the thing that you just said because that would would sound like bananas to anyone listening. You know what I'm talking about though, right? No, no, no. No, no, no. I know what you're talking about. So yeah, so the book that Mary was writing for Tiny Tim as a Christmas present is the Icarus myth, um, which I think is probably supposed to be some kind of reference to Scrooge being Icarus, but I think it's it's super dumb. Tiny Tim flying too close to the sun skating on the ice. Oh, with the ice skates. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So Scrooge basically tells him in this moment, like, you're not going to go ice skating. You're going to stay home and read your book and you're going to fly, which is a reference to a thing that was said earlier. And and Tiny Tim's like, is he drunk? Because I can't wait to get drunk, too, when I'm old enough. So lame. So freaking lame. Yeah. God, I hate Lenny this ending. God, Lenny I- Rush, the actor that plays Tiny Tim, sells it, but it's pretty bad. Yeah, and then I think the worst of it all is this interaction between Scrooge and Mary Cratchit, which is the ending of this. Which right? is a horrible this, ending. This like, weak, piddling little oh. ending that happens where, where Scrooge is like... She goes out and she's like, your money is welcome, but you will never have forgiveness or whatever. And he's like, nor will I ever ask for it. And he's dissolving his business and he goes out into the street and it's unclear like what he's going to do next. Right. He's he's supposed to get shanked. He's supposed to get shanked. I'm telling you in some version of the script. And then to wrap this up, we have Mary Cratchit basically saying to the spirits like we have more work to do. Right. Which, again, calls back to this thing of, like, so was the whole thing just, like, Mary calling down Christmas spirits of vengeance to, like, wreck Scrooge's day? It's such a weird, it's a weird choice. Is it's the, a really, really weird choice. Is it supposed to be a call to action? Like, I'm I'm literally, like, trying to say, like, what is, like, it's so, like, we all have powers and yeah, spirits. Yeah, I do, and maybe like, it's I do like think, a, ultimately, there's a, there's a, it's time for women and people of color to stand up and take these, like, rich white guys down a peg, which, listen, I'm all about that. Listen, I have no issue with that, yeah. but the way that someone has just taken a crowbar and, like, jimmied it into this story. Don't degrade my good even, name, and, and here's the thing, right? <laughs> here's the thing, right? I'm not even, yeah, I'm not even saying into a Christmas carol. Like, I'm not saying that you can't have a message about taking white rich guys down a peg in a Christmas carol because a Christmas carol is like ostensibly kind of about that and and it's 2021 like let's take that idea further let's see how we can explore that and expand it what I'm saying is even this particular version of the script which is written with this as a plot point this plot point feels really crowbarred in it doesn't make sense I don't understand like Again, we talked about like it, like the ghost's motivations seem to change from point to point. They're trying to redeem Scrooge. They're trying to punish Scrooge. They're 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 not about forgiving Scrooge, but Scrooge has to like find forgiveness. But this, that, and the other thing, their motivations are so unclear because I don't think this script really knows what it's trying to do because it's like all just trying to figure out a way to have Scrooge sexually assault this woman, and then somehow still be like a character who we root for in the end yay he saved his life so he's okay we were okay with what he did earlier yay it's it's bad 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 uncomfortable poorly executed not and not committed like they didn't commit to it right and so it suffers because of that and you said it was a first draft i'm telling you this is a committee script 
I I feel like exact not that they added necessarily everything to it, but it was suggestions for what they wanted in it, yeah. right? Like they went to him and said, "We want a Christmas Carol that talks about this, that, and the other." And if you can make that, we'll give you all the money to make a Christmas Carol. He could have just wanted to straight up do a traditional Christmas Carol with some of these visuals, right? Like that's possible too. We don't yeah. know. We're not going to find out. But damn, is this just? I will say we might find out because this same creative team is now working on great expectations. Oh, God. Oh, God. No, no, Which I feel no. like here's the thing. Here's the insane thing, right? I almost I'm going to watch that because I need to see, like, is this a theme? Like, is this a thing that we're going to continue to do? How will they how will they monkey wrench agendas and things into that story i don't know in the same slipshod way i don't want it's just frustrating to me it's frustrating because like i don't want to be on this podcast talking about how these these themes and ideas and and discussions are being forced into this story because it makes me sound like i am not in favor of stories that deal with those themes and ideas and discussions i am definitely for that and i don't want to sound like i'm protesting too much i mean it like Black Lives Matter. The Me Too movement is an important thing that needs to happen. Like we need reform on all of these issues in this country. We need stories that deal with it. And this just does it so badly. And I think that's what's most frustrating to me. Oh, pray with it sail those ships all three on Christmas Day, on Christmas Day. Oh, pray with it sail those ships all three. On Christmas Day in the morning. Well, Jim, I have a couple of questions for you. <laughs> Did we take an ad break in there at all? Uh, no, I'll edit one in at some point. I don't. <laughs> you know what? When you got up earlier, you know that's a good time. So. Yeah, no, no. I, I'll, I'll edit one in where we do the uh, where we switch to Ghost of Christmas, um, Christmas Future. Um, all right, Jim, I have a couple of questions for you. Yeah, buddy. What is getting your Christmas turkey in any of the three episodes of this particular version of A Christmas Carol? Well, I think it's going to have to be one of us that says it. So I'll, 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 I'll be obvious with that. I've been talking about it all three episodes. The production design of this is amazing. The costumes are great. Even the ones that are kind of lazy are amazing. I think everything looks authentic. And yet it also has this. I don't want to say pageantry, but it has this like air about it that those owns every scene and you notice the costumes, but even though that they're not out of place and you enjoy being around these costumes and you enjoy being around these sets and these, they feel lived in and they feel the lighting. Oh my God. I don't even think we talked about the lighting enough. I think it was all, at least it was in some parts, nearly all natural lighting or at least attempting it. And it's, yeah. mm-hmm. I'm a sucker for that. Anything that tries to do that, I am all in because that's how life looks. And it's when you were, and you're trying to be realistic, that's what you need. So I would say that my Christmas uh, turkey is definitely the production design, but John, what's your Christmas turkey? So my Christmas turkey is going to go to the the scene with the miners in the church. Mm-hmm. I think it's, I think it's one of the, high points of this and i think it's a moment where i i was almost able to forget the sexual assault element and have a genuine genuine emotional reaction besides disgust to this 
it gets you really close. And I think it's a moment where I sympathize with Scrooge and I, I see like the heart of the story coming through. And I just wish the rest of this miniseries had done more to support that as like a, a important moment in this story. I don't know where we put it, but this would be the one thing I would want to take out of this and put in like, you know how I keep talking about like the super cut where you take the best version of every Sure. little scene and like edit a Christmas Carol together to get the best. Execution. Well, I feel like you just like, there's already a scene of like miners singing, right? You can work this in and say like, these are people who just survived a mining disaster Oof. coming together. And Christmas is the thing that's uniting them. Right? right. And it has that kind of impact. You could totally do that. I think it would be beautiful. I think it would be great. Yeah. Well, let's, um, let's, let's, uh, go to a more fertile field for conversation. What is getting a lump of coal for you for this particular version of a Christmas Carol? I will simply say the entire Mrs. Cratchit Scrooge plot. I think that is all I need to say on the matter. It fails. It is sloppily done. It is not appropriate for this piece. This is the proof of that. Maybe maybe somebody else will try it. Maybe it'll work. I don't think so. But art should be tried. I get that. But this was a horrible element to what was visually and cast-wise an amazing version of A Christmas Carol. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's We're going to go for a daily double here because I also think that the thing that undoes this and takes this from being a really interesting and good Christmas Carol that I would watch again to being a Christmas Carol I have no desire to watch again is the sexual assault subplot. Mm-hmm. I think it, it undermines all of the other emotional development of the characters. I think that it is jarring and interrupts the story in a way that does not support the narrative or support like my enjoyment of watching it. I think it is a really ham fisted attempt to integrate an important message into the story that just doesn't fit. Um, and it demonstrates kind of a, uh, a hubris on the part of the writers of this that I think ultimately goes punished because of how negatively that plot line affects your ability to watch and enjoy the rest of this Christmas Carol. You know, to go back to something I've said, and I've kind of gone back and forth with this over the episode, that there might be a way to do this, but maybe this proves that there isn't a way to do this. And I've kind of gone both ways because I, you know, I, there might, there might be, I think about Sesame Street, right? And I think about when it wants to talk about something very serious and how it handles it, whether it be uh, the death of Mr. Hooper and how they took a whole freaking year to research and to talk with, you know, people who work with children and social workers and really get a sense of like, how's the best way to talk with a child about this, right? Or in Africa, when HIV was like so bad that they needed to talk to kids about it, right? Like they did the same type of thing. They did all the research. They didn't do the research here. I, at least I don't feel like it. I don't feel like they dealt with it the best way. And that was probably part of the poor execution of this idea. Well, Jim, <laughs> is this, uh, is this version of a Christmas Carol going to be in your Christmas future or is it remaining nestled in your Christmas past? John, this is most definitely remaining in my Christmas past. I was trying to be clever, come up with some sort of little funny way to be about it. I can't, John. I can't. This is, hands down, the least enjoyment I have had on this podcast, was watching this miniseries. 
more so. I, I hated this more than Christmas Carol 2020. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Because at least I could laugh at that. At least I could sure. at least I could be like, oh, this was stupid, and they shouldn't have done this. And what is this? And I could go back and listen to those episodes that we did, right? And then leave a five-star review. Oh, spoilers for later. But like I could go back and listen to those and enjoy that experience. I'm never gonna watch it again, but I can still go back and enjoy it. I'm not listening to these episodes. <laughs> I can't do it. I can't do it. It's too traumatic. I hated this. I hated this so freaking much. I almost quit halfway through. I really was like, I don't need to see what they're going to try. Because I knew all the beats. Because I know how television and executives work. They're not going to do these types of choices and go full. They're not going to go a full measure with them. And because of that, it lacks anything of what they're trying to say. John, yeah, is this in your Christmas future or in your Christmas past? <laughs> this is really complicated for me. Don't you do because it? I th- because I think, well, no, listen. So listen, there there are versions of this that I'm like, when I put one in my Christmas past, it's usually because I'm just like, I was so bored by this or like so not interested. This was just so not good that I just have no desire to watch it again, right? Like Christmas Carol Cole in the movie. I'm never going to watch that again. I have no reason to. It was just like shoddy from beginning to end. Right. This is a beautifully filmed and oftentimes thoughtfully put together version of A Christmas Carol that is just anchored down by one or two really, really, really bad, baffling, poorly done choices. So to me, it's one of these things where I almost feel like I'm going to go back and watch some of this at some point just to be like, what is it that's not working about this? Like, I have an academic interest in watching this again. So I feel like I feel like this might be lurking in my Christmas future. But I'm not thrilled about that. But it's just a thing that exists in my head now where like, I I need to understand what it is that makes this not work almost like so that if I'm ever in a position to tell a story, I can be like, what are the choices I need to avoid? It's a weird, like abusive relationship I have with this thing. It's like a control in a way. Yeah, like I want to be able to f- fully articulate outside of six hours of podcasting. Huh what it is about this that is not working for me. Because I think when something like this comes out that is so high profile and full of such good actors and has such a pedigree and fails this badly, there's like an an autopsy of it that needs to be done. And sometimes that requires a couple of rewatches. It's kind of like... I'm going to tentatively put this in my Christmas future, even though I don't necessarily want it to be there. Sweet Jesus. He did it. Okay. You're like movie Bob with Batman v Superman Dawn of Justice, where you're just going to end up doing another review of this for seven hours, okay? You're going to find the extended edition. You're going to watch this. I'm going to come over to your house. You're going to have like posters and the, the Charlie wall with like the meme point. Like, it's all connected, man. It's all connected. Let it. Scrooge's Pepe Sylvia. Let it go, dude. Sometimes, sometimes trash is just trash. And we know what they did was wrong. 
The entire subplot that I talked about and you talked about was what was wrong. Leave it buried like Marley. Take a leak on it if you want to, but let it go for your own sanity. All right, James, I'm, I'm, I'm going to do, this is a first in Jacob Marley's dead history. Oh boy. Because on the strength of your argument and the feeling that I'm treading into dangerous waters, I'm going to renege on my answer. Praise God. I'm going to, and I'm going to leave this in my Christmas past. You heard it here first, folks, 23 episodes in, it finally happened. 22, whatever this is. I feel like that's what this was all leading up to, John. I feel like it had to come to that moment where somebody just had to be like, look, you can enjoy this story without this in your life. You can still love a Christmas Carol, John. You can still enjoy one of your favorite stories and leave this bull crap. Hey, I just watched Masters of the Universe Revelation, okay? A, a similar story where it's like a plot design that a lot of people are like, oh, it's, it's too, uh, you know, woke or whatever. I don't care about that. I just think Kevin Smith doesn't know how to write action that well. So, like, whatever. Like, it can just be a bad version of the thing you like, and you can let it go and be okay, okay? You can still love A Christmas Carol, and I can still play with my He-Man action figures. It's okay, all right? I'm so happy, John. I am. So, I'm legitimately happy for you right now because you're going to be so much happier with this off your back. Oh my god! Thank you, God. Honestly, dear Lord, I couldn't help myself there. I knew it. I oh, a happy ending. A happy ending to this dumpster fire of a mini series that we have just suffered through. Wow. Oh wow. Oh, how do we? Oh. Um. Well, Jim, what are we watching next week? God dang it, we're watching A Christmas Carol! (laughs) But which version are we watching, John? It's a Sisyphean task, this podcast. Um, Uh, One of my role models, and that's saying something! (laughs) So we are going to be watching A Christmas Carol. Specifically, we're going to be diving into a big one, Jim. It's the Bill Murray vehicle, Scrooged. The Yuppies Christmas Carol. Oh boy, this is this is gonna be this is big. This is a big one, John. Like this is a real big deal. And I don't know. I haven't rewatched this one in a long time and prep for this. I mean, not that I was watching every other week, but like I wasn't I hadn't seen it beforehand and in a long time, and now I've avoided it. And I am really looking forward to watching this because I think it's a way different, it's more different than I think we remember it being. And I'm looking forward to that. I'm really curious how it's going to be done. I have, I have only seen it one time, but I will say when I I did kind of like a quick little poll before we started this podcast, just to like people on Facebook, like what's your favorite version of a Christmas Carol? And I got a few Alistair Sims, everybody, you know, gave like the basic B answer of the Muppets Christmas Carol. And then um, a handful of people were like Scrooged, right? Scrooged. Yeah, that's a big so, one for we're gonna have some theories on why that one's so big. I got my own little like hypotheses on that. Yeah. Yeah. Let's let's well I'll I'll bring things to a close here. If you have uh thoughts or feelings or or honestly, if you have like a take on the on the uh, politically complicated or sexually assaulty parts of this that we didn't really discuss, I am definitely open to people's like thoughts and feelings about that. Um 
please you can email them. P- yeah, please, please, please help us two white guys out. We know what this. we are. We know what we are, and we just we're we are trying. We are in the middle of this podcast, and this got landed at us. And we're you know we we want to hear what you have to say on this one, please. And on any and actually and on any of the podcasts, honestly, because we always are. We want to hear from our fans. We want to know that you're out there and you're listening. So please, yeah. Also, like we want to hear from people if we kind of go down a rabbit trail and say some things that aren't cool. Um, we definitely want to hear that kind of stuff too, so that we can kind of own up to that and and make corrections. Heck yeah! Because our goal is for this to be a podcast where people can comfortably enter and experience it. So anything um, to make this a safer space, please, friends. Honestly, yeah, yeah. Um, if you have any anything that you need to talk to us about, feel free to email us at jacobmarleyisdead at gmail.com. You can also reach out to us on Twitter at MarleyIsDeadPod. We do have a Facebook if you search for Jacob Marley is Dead. Um, likewise, an Instagram. But I, uh, I would say primarily the, the Gmail and the Twitter are the places to reach us. Um, uh, we have a few uh, thank yous. Thank you, uh, of course, to Ben DeVries for our opening, closing, and interstitial music. Thank you to Milo Newman for our awesome cover art. Please check out his webcomic. And you can also, uh, if you rent the um, the uh, Batman Long Halloween Parts 1 and 2 uh, on iTunes, you can also watch the shorts that he directed, specifically the Blue Beetle one. He was pretty proud of that from what I saw on social media. So go and check those out. Give him some support. Um, thank you to Zane and the folks at That's Not Canon Podcast for, for some reason, continuing to host this nonsense. Good. Bless them. Um, Bless them. Yeah. <laughs> We we appreciate oh. we appreciate their support and the community, um, and thank you to you listeners who continue to tune in even when we talk about uh, episodes of A Christmas Carol like this. You guys are keeping us going. Yeah, yeah. Oh boy, Jimmy, uh, is there anything that our audience can do to support us aside from what I've already talked about? They could leave a five star, five star, five star, five star five star review on wherever they get their podcasts i'm sure there's some sort of rating thing if it's not stars it's smiley faces or it's some sort of gimmick please leave one it's part of the algorithm you know what you hear from everybody but it really 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 helps us and we are just two schlubs trying to put together something that you know we can share with the world and maybe make a difference or maybe just have some fun but regardless we would really appreciate it. Thank you, friends. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Good pods or iTunes or Amazon, apparently, or wherever you listen to us. The five star rating and review definitely helps. And write a review, too. I mean, just for, we read them. We, we do read them. Like, it's, it's, yeah. And we share them and we're like, oh, they said that about us. Oh, my gosh. I wonder if that's you or me. Oh, that's definitely you, Jimmy. Like, that is <laughs> totally like what we do. So, like, you, don't worry. You know, we'll see it. I'm looking for yeah. it. <laughs> yes, we will. Yes, we will. Well, folks, until next time, as Tiny Tim observed, God bless us. Everyone. On Christmas Day in the morning. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. 
I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. 